Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. Today's podcast, not one I'm looking forward to. Not a positive one. One I contemplated calling out sick to. Because the Jets lose again to the Patriots for the 15th time in a row at home, 10-15, to 15, in a sloppy, rainy game that came down to a Hail Mary throw where really any big play from the offense, defense, or special teams probably could have sealed this thing for the Jets, got them to 2-1 and one on the season, 2-0 and oh in the division, but that didn't happen, and it's not on the defense because they played a great game, and it's not on the special teams because they played a good game. It's on the offense, and it's on Zach Wilson. You want to blame Nathaniel Hackett. We wanted to blame Mike LaFleur. It's clear that regardless of who the offensive coordinator is, Zach Wilson isn't comfortable, and any possible steps that he was taking in the offseason towards progressing and gaining confidence, Aaron Rodgers painted a very pretty picture of all that happening. It's all out the window now. Rodgers plays four snaps. Zach Wilson comes in. There's no confidence. He's exactly where he was last year. He's maybe stepping up in the pocket a little bit more, running around a little bit less, which at times probably hurts us because maybe him running and moving downfield would help pick up a first down finally. But this team is struggling offensively. They will continue to struggle offensively until they get this thing together. I get it. They've played tough defenses. If you're putting a quarterback like Zach Wilson onto the field, three teams you don't want to play, Buffalo Bills, Dallas Cowboys, New England Patriots. Not in 2023. Those are tough teams. Those are tough matchups for a quarterback, anybody in the league. That said, Zach still just had to do a little bit and find a couple throws. Be comfortable. Give guys chances. Hit an open man here and there. And it didn't happen. And it's a frustrating time for fans and for the media and for everybody as we try to work through this thing because we came in with legitimate Super Bowl aspirations where I thought this could be the most exciting, fun season of my entire New York Jets experience. And instead, we're exactly where we were last year, but it feels worse because we're doing it again. We've already seen this show. And because we came from such a high level of excitement to here, and it's tough, and it's ugly, and it's the Patriots that we lost to. And upcoming is a Sunday night football game against the Chiefs that everybody's going to have to watch. Oh, my goodness. It's as bad as it gets right now. But there is some optimism and positivity that I'm feeling towards this team. I got to do this podcast. I got to review the Patriots game as much as I can. 
I'm actually going to change things up a little bit in this one because I don't think that we really need to have an entire podcast episode dedicated to a Chiefs preview, a game where the Jets are 10-point underdogs and are probably going to get absolutely walloped on Sunday Night Football for the whole world to see. We know who the Chiefs are. We know what they can do. We know where we're at. We don't need a whole episode. I will talk about that game. But I'm going to do last year's format. I'm going to do offense, defense, special teams from the Patriots game, reviewing that. I'm going to do a Father Time and What's on Tap in the same episode. I'm going to do an AFC East check-in and then a Chiefs preview. And I'm going to try to do it as fast as I can, honestly. I'm going to try to get the hell out of here and put a put this game in the filing cabinet and never think about it again. I think we all need to do that. Um, this is the last order of business is just getting through this freaking thing. This is the only podcast episode I've ever done that doesn't have, like, any real notes taken because I actually didn't even watch the game for a second or third time, which I always do. But I didn't want to go back. I'm telling you, it was a dark place. And anybody who's on Twitter posting about the Jets, the little coaches from their couches, didn't make it any better either. Having to read everybody and all their, if we could do this, and yeah, this is why it sucks. It's like, oh my goodness, can we have some optimism or positivity, please, somewhat. I'm going to try to bring some of that into this podcast because I think there is still stuff to look forward to. So let's get into this thing. Before I do, i got to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. It's part of the Fans First Sports Network. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. All right, so let's go to the front office first. Because the minute Aaron Rodgers went down, there was a decision to be made. How would the Jets approach the rest of the season? And they wanted to go with Zach Wilson, an in-house guy, because, of course, when option one goes out the window, like Aaron Rodgers is down, there's probably not a magic elixir or easy button you can press that just makes things better. Sometimes you just have shit luck, and that means you're going to have a shit season. It's happened so many times to so many different teams, and we are no different. It happens to be one of the most devastating injuries in sports history, the one that happened to Rodgers in the setting and the hype level and everything about it, but... It's going to be tough to recover from that, obviously. We're not expecting the team to win a Super Bowl, but we want to see them be competitive. So the Jets have Zach Wilson as the starting quarterback. I get it. Roll him out, see what he can do. The backup, Tim Boyle, doesn't seem like a viable backup option. He seems like that guy that was here to hold the clipboard, just like he did in Green Bay behind Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers, here behind Zach Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. He's not really supposed to play, just supposed to help install that offense for Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers and be another interpreter of the offense. We don't want to see him on the field. So you either have to replace Zach Wilson with a better quarterback that requires trades or big acquisitions, or you at least need to replace Tim Boyle or have somebody compete with Tim Boyle, have a third quarterback on the roster that potentially in a pinch, if we're in a game where it's like, man, we just need to move 30 yards down the field and Zach can't do it. Can we at least put somebody else out there? I think that there were better options. I think Joe Douglas could have done something in week one, week two, at least to compete with Tim Boyle, even if you don't want to touch that Zach Wilson competition. But he didn't. Everybody's having a giant outcry, talking about who the Jets should get, trade for Kirk Cousins, pick up Carson Wentz, pick up Matt Ryan, whoever it may be. But today, Joe Douglas decides to make the decision on which quarterback is going to come in. He brings in Trevor Simeon, who I think we already know from being a Jets quarterback a time ago, when Sam Darnold was out, Trevor Simeon started the game against the Cleveland Browns. Miles Garrett hit him late. Should have been a, an ejection or something on him because it was a bad hit. He hurt Trevor Simeon's leg. Simeon was out for the rest of the year. He never played again for the Jets. So he's back here in the mix. And right away, that looks like a Tim Boyle competition. 
that could potentially rise into a Zach Wilson competition if Zach Wilson's play is low enough. If Zach Wilson's playing at the level that they hope he can play at, that's higher than a Trevor Simeon. But if Zach Wilson's playing as bad as we've seen in some games, specifically this Patriots game, Trevor Simeon probably is better. He's 31 years old. He's got a positive touchdown-to-interception ratio. His career quarterback rating is an 81. And when you look through the Jets quarterbacks that we've drafted and rolled out there year after year, 81 would be good. And we have a good roster, and we've got good players. So if he can get an 81 quarterback rating with that past Denver Broncos team or other teams, then yeah, why can't he be a little higher than that here with the Jets? It's possible. I do think that the guy is a little fragile since, I mean, we only really saw him play that one game, get hurt, and go out for the whole season. So you're a little worried about him taking shots, just like Aaron Rodgers. But Trevor Simeon at least is a guy that has played football. He's thrown 7,000 yards in the NFL, a real legitimate quarterback that can come in here in spot duty, and maybe even for the long term if Zach Wilson really botches this thing. And it looks like he's trying to. Trevor Simeon is not the name that a lot of people wanted to hear, but he's cheap, available, and he's flying in today for his workout, pending everything goes well in the physical and stuff. You know, everything should be fine there. Um, and then at least we can sit there on football Sundays and say, you know, <laughs> if Zach Wilson's struggling, like, all right, let's go to Simeon, I guess, and see what he can do. But this was a big uh, point of interest for my father, David Burnham, who does a father time each week. And I wasn't sure what he was going to give us in this one after that Patriots game. Um, I know he didn't really want to think about it or watch that game for a second time either. So I didn't know what I was going to get, but... This one is pretty fitting for the move Joe Douglas just made. This one is called Want Attitude. So here is this week's Father Time written by my dad to hear his thoughts on the New York Jets and what they're doing right now. Here we go. Trevor Simeon? The New York Jets just signed Trevor Simeon to evaluate Tim Boyle to see who should be QB2. Well, you know what? Who cares who's better between Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon? They both are bad and unacceptable. They would be incompetent replacements for our incompetent backup to Aaron Rodgers. Thinking maybe Simeon will be okay? Well, he just lost to the Cincinnati backup, Jake Browning. Question, who is Jake Browning? I'd never heard of him. I had to look him up. Answer, he's the 27-year-old quarterback that's thrown one pass in the NFL, and it was incomplete. That's who Jake Browning is. And we just signed the guy that's worse than him. Why didn't Joe Douglas just sign Carson Wentz three weeks ago? A six foot five, two hundred and forty pound starting quality quarterback with a cannon arm and experience. Ninety three starts, twenty two thousand passing yards, one hundred and fifty one touchdowns to sixty six ints, sixty two percent completion percentage. The guy has horsepower and he'll take a beating. Standing in the pocket, delivering the ball come hell or high water. You say he's got an attitude. He did, but now, believe me, it's gone. And why? Because Carson Wentz is unemployed. He doesn't have a job. He can't mess this up. Next, he's essentially free. What can an unemployed person possibly ask for? Minimal money, and of course, no picks. Wentz is a person looking for redemption after a bad situation in Washington. Starting with the Dan Snyder controversy, name changes, injuries to key players, all the way down the list. Washington was a dumpster fire, and he lost the job because of ownership was upset because they were going to miss the playoffs. Newsflash, they were still going to miss him. He's not perfect, but Wentz would be better than most backups in the NFL, and maybe even some starters, including Zach Wilson. Make no mistake, Wentz can absolutely win games. Bad attitude? 
Wait until you see the Jets' defense after the eighth loss. I'm stunned by this Simeon signing. It does absolutely nothing. Go Jets. End scene. So, wow. This was not what I was expecting. He just went off on Trevor Simeon and Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz was a guy that I personally didn't want, and I think he's got a bad attitude, and I don't think he's right for this team, but obviously as time goes on and we see this Patriots game and we see the options that are out there, and you start thinking about what kind of value it's going to take to get a quarterback from another team, you start thinking about how long it's going to take to actually get them up to speed to a level where they can actually play in a football game, and you're like, all right, well, we just got to make a move and make something happening. So Carson Wentz all of a sudden became viable to me. I hadn't even really considered Trevor Simeon when I saw him on the list. It was just like, okay, yeah, there's him. And obviously my dad didn't either. But that's the route that Joe Douglas goes. And no, I don't like it. I don't hate it as much as my dad. And I wasn't as sold on Carson Wentz as my dad. But I do like that we at least did something. I guess the fact that there's just a new quarterback on the roster is what makes me feel a little bit better about the situation because at least it's not just... Tim Boyle, Zach Wilson, at least there's like a third guy that maybe one of them can get something going. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's not he's not a fan of Trevor Simeon. I think that, in reality, the, the games that Simeon's played have been okay. I don't think that it's a total punt on the situation. I don't think that Carson Wentz would have come in here and changed the entire team and brought us to the playoffs. I think he would have made really stupid mistakes because Carson Wentz does dumb things at dumb times. And you can look at the numbers and the stats and say 22,000 yards and 62% completion percentage. But the fumbles that happen when he stands in the pocket or tries to run and be a hero at the stupid... It's just like Josh Allen. But at a really, really bad low level. I think I said that on a podcast like two or three episodes ago. Is that he just makes those stupid decisions. And he will cost you games and you will lose because of it. And it'll make you want to pull your hair out. And then he'll be a jerk in the press conference. And the team will be like, what the hell? But maybe that's better than what we have right now. It's about as negative as you can have it be optically from the outside looking in. The players are saying the right things right now, but it's only a matter of time before this entire thing unravels. And I think it's really interesting what he says there. You want bad, you want to see bad attitudes, wait until the Jets lose their eighth game. And I think he's got a point that like everything in terms of the culture and the locker room and stuff looks good. And when you hear about it in the players and their positivity going into the year, all awesome. We're like, wow, we got a whole team of great players who love the team and they put the team first. But when push comes to shove and this team has been shoved for an entire season or half a season and we're not winning games and players are looking bad and people are making fun of us and social media is all just oh the Jets are a clown circus again those players are not going to be happy and they're not going to handle it well and I don't know how they're going to lash out but it may put a different taste in there in our mouths I hope that doesn't happen I hope the Jets can find a way to salvage the season I will say that when looking at this whole thing the Jets are 1-2 and two right now, and they're probably going to lose to the Chiefs, but then they play the Broncos. They could potentially be 2-3 and three after five weeks and having played four of the toughest games in their schedule. The Patriots are always tough for us. The Bills, the Cowboys, and the Chiefs. Having played all four of those teams already, we could be 2-3. and three. There are worse things in the world. And it was still possible that the Jets won this game against the Patriots with some crazy luck here and there. It could have happened. And it's because this roster still does have some fight and some spark and some spice. We just have to see if we can get it on display at the right time, pull one of these things out and get everybody back out of the out of the darkness and into the light. Thank you for the father time, Dad. I'm sorry that you're upset with Trevor Simeon. It's who we got right now. Maybe they'll make a change down the road. 
bring in Carson Wentz to replace Tim Boyle or bring in a fourth quarterback or who knows what. This season's going to be long, and we're going to be looking for quarterback back options all season long. So I guess it's all going to remain on the table. But that is this week's Father Time. Thank you, Dad. Now we do have to take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life. Just want to break down this game a little bit. I didn't do a ton of research on it. I didn't do a lot of uh, evaluation. It was frustrating, but I will say that looking at the offense, the defense, and the special teams, there were a few things that stood out for positive or for negative. We'll start with the offensive side of the ball. Zach Wilson, atrocious. We can talk about that all day long. We're not going to. I was somewhat impressed with the way a hodgepodge offensive line came together in this game. Of course, Zach Wilson was under duress a lot, pressured and not comfortable in the pocket. Sometimes it was because he was holding the ball for five seconds and not getting rid of it. Sometimes he wasn't throwing it away, throwing it to the open receivers, made the offensive line look like it was struggling because who's going to hold their block for five seconds? But overall, he was only hit seven times. He was only sacked three times in this sloppy, rainy game. And you're talking about a game where Mekhi Becton moved from right tackle to left tackle with Dwayne Brown now on IR. Elijah Vera Tucker slid from right guard to right tackle. And Joe Tippman came in to replace Elijah Vera Tucker at right guard, Joe Tippman being the rookie center we drafted. So a lot of moving parts there. The only two mainstays would be Lake and Tomlinson and Connor McGovern, who are two of the weaker players on our offensive line at this point in time. And then just roll this thing out there against a New England Patriots team that wanted to go after Zach Wilson hard and heavy and make him uncomfortable. They did make him uncomfortable, but a lot of that is his own doing. And I think that what we saw from Joe Tittman and Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker was really impressive. I think that Joe Tittman came in and played a solid game. They had some pressure up the middle. He fell over a couple times, had a penalty. But overall, for a first start in that game, with that quarterback behind you at a Patriots defense looking to absolutely tee off on you. I was pleased with the way he played, and I would like to see him back out there next week and moving forward. Elijah Vera Tucker was also awesome. He could be player of the game because he's a right guard who really didn't play much right tackle in the NFL at all until last year when they had to slide him over because things went out of control. It's kind of happening again this year, and he's that guy that can just plug into a spot that's not even his position and do it at a really high level. So I was pleased with his game. He could have been offensive player of the game. But I'm giving offensive player of the game to Mekhi Becton because Mekhi Becton has done a lot to get to where he is right now. It was a really hard climb, a lot of setbacks, and a lot of negativity from people looking at him saying he's out of shape and is he ever going to be able to play and yada yada. But he worked hard in the offseason to get back this season. He started as a backup tackle, like fourth string for us or third string, right, early on. He wanted to play left tackle, but the team was like, you're a right tackle. He got on the field, started out of breath, out of shape, but worked his way up eventually was playing as much as they needed him to in the preseason, taking extra practice reps after practices were over. Won that right tackle job. And then now, with Dwayne Brown going down, there's a lot of different things the Jets could do. They could put Billy Turner at left tackle. They could try to use a Max Mitchell. Could Elijah Vera Tucker play over there? I don't know. Sign a guy. But Mekhi Becton has gotten to the left tackle spot by working hard and playing well, staying healthy. And right now he's all those things. He looked pretty good against the Patriots to me. Matt Judon had two sacks in this game and definitely made an impact, so the tackles were not completely perfect or blemish-free. But Mekhi Becton is basically the best run-blocking offensive lineman on our line. 
and he's not that bad at pass blocking either. And he's only getting better and only getting more comfortable and switching positions and stuff. So I'm really proud of him and what he's done. He is our offensive player of the game. When you look around at the other players, the running backs, I feel horrible for the running backs because it was a slippery game. We're talking about one-cut running backs in Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook who want to do one little pop to the outside. And early in the game on those first two drives, we saw Jets slip over and over again. And it's like, shit, they're not going to be able to play their style of game. They're not run up the middle and put your shoulder down like Ezekiel Elliott and Armandre Stevenson. So this game was much more built for the Patriots running the ball than the Jets. And that MetLife Stadium, I mean, Jesus, that turf is bad. But the Jets finish with a lot of pressure up the middle from the Patriots, a lot of stacked boxes, 22 rushes for 38 yards, 1.7 yards per carry. Our longest run in the game was 7 yards. Jeez Louise. In a game where it's like, we got to pound the rock and get it done. The field conditions didn't help us. And the Patriots were not going to allow us to run. Of course, when they play the Jets, they're like, well, you know what? We're going to pressure Zach Wilson, and we're going to make him throw the ball, take away the running game. They did that, and it worked. You look at the receivers, feel horrible for the receivers too. There's a lot of people that are showing clips of receivers running wide open. You know, Alan Lazard and Garrett Wilson and Randall Cobb open on plays. You got to keep in mind, a quarterback doesn't look at all players at all times, and certain things are off the table when the ball is snapped or which side of the field they're on or what type of defense they're in. Certain players won't even get looked at or considered unless things break down. And Zach Wilson, yes, there may have been a guy open to his left, but if he's looking to the right and that guy's open, he doesn't even know it. So in some situations, just people looking at all 22 film and circling a guy who's open doesn't mean that Zach Wilson was wrong. That said, he made a lot of bad decisions and didn't find a lot of open receivers. I feel bad for Garrett Wilson. He's one of those guys that is so freaking good and I worry about because he's saying the right things right now. But this is a guy I think we all know Garrett Wilson could put up 1,500, 1,800 yards and be one of the best receivers in the league. He could be a pro bowler. He could be an all-pro. He could win awards. He could go down as one of the best wide receivers in Jets history, maybe the best. He could be one of the best receivers in the entire league. But if he's got quarterback play like Zach Wilson that he had for his first year and now this year, He's never going to put up the numbers or get the recognition that he deserves. He had five catches for 48 yards in this game, and he got targeted nine times, but he should have been targeted so much more. And there were tons of times where you saw it visibly on his face, like, man, I need the ball. Just give me the ball. Wide receivers can be divas. He's not doing it yet, but it's only a matter of time before a receiver says, man, I could be doing so much more if you were playing better or doing things differently. And I just hope we can hold out for a little bit longer. Alan Lazard, he's an all right blocker. He drops the ball here and there. Um, you know, he's all right. He's not as good as Corey Davis, but he's doing his thing. I'd like to see him with Aaron Rodgers because they had chemistry, but instead we have him with Zach Wilson, so no chemistry with anybody across the field. We've got no impact from Nicole Hardman, no impact from Xavier Gibson in the passing game. Irvin Charles and Jason Brownlee don't even suit up for the Jets. Uzoma doesn't get targeted. He had one in this game, but he's played horrible this year. He looks like a wasted $8 million. Tyler Conklin makes his presence felt here and there. But again, not to a high enough degree. I like it when Conklin catches the ball because he puts his shoulder into people and he makes them pay. And I want to see him get the ball more, but it's been difficult to get it out. Randall Cobb had his first catch of the year and an opportunity kind of on the Hail Mary attempt. It almost tipped back to him and he could have made a play, but you can't blame him. So much should have been done earlier from the Jets. They basically had one good passing drive. So they were able to get the passing numbers up to 157 passing yards. Zach Wilson finished with a 61 quarterback rating, no touchdowns, no INTs. Looks better than it was. It was fourth quarter, hurry up, got to get something, push it down the field. 
finally he has the confidence, like, well, I got to get it down the field. I guess I'll throw it. And then things go well. So it was a a frustrating sort of situation there with uh, with the offense, to say the least, especially in a game where we knew if we just scored one time, we could probably beat the Patriots for the first time in 14 games. One thing I'll say about like Zach Wilson is there's two versions of him. One, he throws the ball, playing backyard football, running around the pocket, scrambling, throwing to covered receivers, and the ball get pit, gets picked off, and he throws like one touchdown, three interceptions, and it's a nightmare. And you're like, what the hell is he doing throwing that ball? And then there's the other side of Zach, which like doesn't do any backyard football, and he just stands in the pocket, stands around, waits to get sacked, throws the ball into the dirt, doesn't throw to anybody, and is afraid to do anything. So it's like the 110-yard performance from Zach Wilson or the four-interception Zach Wilson performance. Which one do you want? I don't know. I think that we all right now are just like, just chuck the ball. I'd love to see him just get the ball downfield. But when he does that in a game and he throws four picks, we're all going to hate him too. So it's probably just not going to work with him until he gains some confidence or they figure out some perfect schemes and ways to utilize him and his talents and the guys we have. But uh, I believe it when I see it. That's our offensive side of the ball. When you look at the defensive side of the ball, it was a really good defensive game in the sense that the Jets didn't really let the Patriots do too much. They kept Mac Jones uncomfortable. Um, They didn't allow for a lot of completed passes. Mac Jones was basically 50% completion percentage, 200 yards, had an 85 quarterback rating, which is way better than Zach Wilson. He was doing way more with the football than Zach Wilson was in this game. But you never really were nervous at any point like the Patriots were about to score or the Jets' defense was about to give something up because they really gave up one weird sneak play to Farrell Brown, the third-string tight end over there. Like a blocking tight end just slipped out on a play. little communication breakdown from the safeties, and Farrell Brown gets a big 58-yard touchdown there, which is the only real score they had. Without that crazy play, that 58-yard sneak through the back, the Jets would have won this thing, which is crazy to think of. But the offense didn't do much. The problem is... With the Jets, their defense didn't make a big enough play to impact the game at a high enough level. We needed sacks, we needed fumbles, we needed INTs. We got none of that. In this sloppy, rainy, wet game on MetLife Field, you were hoping that somewhere along the way the Patriots would fumble the ball and the Jets would get a a short field, Greg the leg field goal range, get some easy points or something. You were hoping something would slip out of Mac Jones' hands and we'd get an interception we were hoping that we would be pushing through that offensive line. Mac Jones would be confused, and we could rattle him and hit him. But it really didn't happen all that much. The Jets barely had any quarterback hits in this game. They had five total. Three of them came from Quinn and Williams, who was a beast again, as always. But, like, tackles for loss. Yeah, in the running game, we had a couple. Quincy Williams had one. Solomon Thomas had one. The play across the board was good, but it was uninspiring in terms of big plays. And with this Jets offense, they can't do anything. We know we need big plays from the defense. When he can't get that, we can't get him on the special team side. We lose some of these games, close games, low-scoring games, and it's going to be frustrating for the defense. My dad said it in father time. Wait until this defense is eight losses playing this type of football because the offense can't do jack shit. It could be an ugly place to be. It could be an ugly time to be a Jets fan, but it's something that we got to deal with this year. One guy I think played really well, Michael Carter, He had an awesome game. He almost had an interception in this one. And I think that he was all over receivers better than Sauce Gardner or DJ Reed in this game. I think they kind of targeted him a little bit. And this was one of those games where he actually shined and looked like 
that, you know, that level, like a DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner. Because you hear everybody talk about Sauce, and then sometimes they're like, oh, well, you can't forget DJ Reed. But not very often are they like, oh, there's also Michael Carter, who plays at a very high level and is one of the better nickel cornerbacks in the whole league. He played like it in this one, jumping routes, draping over receivers, not picking up flags. And I, I really liked what I saw from him. So having him as your third cornerback, very, very happy. Great performance. Defensive player of the game, MC2. That is basically all I want to talk about on the defensive side of the ball. Talk about special teams. I think that Xavier Gibson was a little bit afraid to take punts early on because of the rain coming down in his eyes. He did have one return that was 18 yards, pretty good. Almost got the Jets in uh, the situation they needed to score more points. Um, He had a couple kick returns, nothing... Again, this is one of those games that was like, man, if Xavier Gibson has a monumental return and brings it back to the house, just like against the Bills, we could win this thing. It didn't happen, um, but a good game from him. Greg DeLeg was back out there. He made a 52-yard field goal in the rain, so really good job from him. But the guy I want to give special teams player of the game to is Thomas Morstead because he had a really nice punting game. And I've given him a lot of grief for not having a cannon leg at the age he is. But he had eight punts in this one, asked to do a lot with a slippery ball in bad conditions, and he punted the hell out of the thing. thought it was really good, and he's proven to me that he really does deserve to be the full-year kicker. Any negativity or doubts that I had about him in his age, he's absolutely proving me wrong. He was the better punter in this game, much, much better than the Patriots rookie. So Thomas Morstead, great job on eight punts. He is our special teams player of the game. So that's offense, defense, and special teams. I want to do a, an AFC East check-in and a Chiefs preview and then get out of here. But before I do, we do have to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little What's on Tap. That is right, folks. This is What's on Tap. And today, I'm drinking a beer that I bought a while back from Clocktown Brewing Company in Thomaston, Connecticut, not too far from my house. I saw this can as a single solo boy. I made an assortment pack at the uh, package store here in Southington, and I saw it, and I was like, this is going to be perfect for week one with the Jets because it's called When Pigs Fly. And I thought to myself, man, this is going to be perfect. If Aaron Rodgers goes out there and wins the game against the Buffalo Bills, I can say something about how, oh, we never thought the Jets would have a great quarterback and play like this when pigs fly. And here it is. And it didn't happen, so I kept it in the fridge, and I said, you know what, well, maybe the Jets will beat the Patriots for the first time in 14 games. Then I can be like, hey, you thought we'd never win, but when pigs fly, today is the day. But the Jets lose that game, and I still have this beer in the fridge. And I started thinking to myself, pigs don't fly. When pigs fly, that's never. I'm thinking in my head like, oh, it's that crazy time. It's finally going to happen. Oh, my gosh, couldn't believe it. But you know why we couldn't believe it? Why it never happens? Why it's called when pigs fly? Because it doesn't happen. The Jets don't have that quarterback come in and have that great game. The Jets don't beat the Patriots. We're right back where the hell we were. I don't like to say same old Jets, but when pigs fly, for crying out loud. For crying out loud. This beer is pretty good. It's a New England IPA. It's a little bit fruity. 6.8% alcohol, definitely on the lighter side. I'm drinking it out of the can. It's got a cool, like, aviation pig with a little goggle and headset on and arms folded like a commander, but... I've never had it before. I'd never heard of it. It just looked perfect for the podcast. The Jets are going to be great and make the playoffs, and Zach Wilson will be good when pigs fly. We'll beat the Chiefs when pigs fly. That's kind of how it works. 
Clocktown Brewing Company put this one together right by my hometown. I've never heard of the brewery, but the beer is good. And uh, that's this week's What's on Tap. So now we're going to go to the next two segments and close this thing out. But first, we have to take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This Is The Jet Life. Talking about an AFC East check-in really quick. I mean, it's getting worse right now. The Dolphins, they beat the Broncos, who, listen, I want to beat Sean Payton up. For the things he said and the way he thinks he's, you know, more important than everybody else and can come in here and, oh, I'm the big coach that gets traded picks for, and I get to come in and turn around this team if Nathaniel Hackett didn't screw it up so badly. But they lose 70-20 to to the Dolphins. The Dolphins are now 3-0 and and look like one of the best teams in the entire NFL. Super dangerous. That offense is ridiculous. They had over 700 yards of offense against the Broncos, who aren't supposed to even be a horrible defense. They still have all-pro cornerback Pat Sertan over there and some other good young players. I don't think Jonathan Simmons played in this game, which is a big loss for them. But still, 70 freaking points? They had the opportunity to have the most points ever scored in the game. And they chose not to do it. The Dolphins are scary. They are 3-0. and We play them on Black Friday coming up, and then again later in the year. And uh, right now, they're looking to run away with this thing. The Bills are the team that are nipping at their heels. They're 2-1 and because they lost to the Jets in Week 1. But they just beat the Raiders really good in Week 2. And then this week in Week 3, they played the Commanders and won 37-3. So they're cruising through teams right now as well. The Patriots pick up their first win of the season to go to... One and two, same record as the Jets, but the Patriots have the tiebreaker over us. So here we are, week three, back in the basement of the division at one and two. Now upcoming is a big game for the AFC East as the Dolphins play the Bills in Orchard Park on Sunday at one o'clock. So that's going to be the big one to determine just how far along are the Dolphins. Because if they can roll into Buffalo and beat up the Bills, that's going to be a huge message to the AFC East and the whole league. And that's what they're trying to do. The Bills, on the other hand, can win that game against the Dolphins and go to first place in the division. So if they can take care of business at home and show that, hey, you're still little brother, and they can take this division back, you know, that's a, a fun little matchup there. I wish the Jets were in the mix with those two teams trying to be, you know, top dogs, but it doesn't feel like we're even in that same ballpark right now, even though we beat the Bills in week one. The Patriots are going to Dallas to play the Cowboys at 435. Got to see the Cowboys win that game. I'm sure Bill Belichick will have the perfect game plan to make sure that the Dallas Cowboys can't do anything on offense and that Mac Jones can do just enough on their offense to score enough points and do something, at least make it a close game. But if the Dallas Cowboys can go out there and make some magic, make some noise and make Mac Jones uncomfortable and win that game, that would be fantastic. I would like to remind everybody that Mac Jones is one of the worst horrible people in the league. He is a sneaky little brat, and he punched Sauce Gardner in the nuts, and it hurt him. And he's not going to get suspended right now, which he should be. Hopefully he gets fined or something. But he's also kicked Jaquan Brisker in the same spot last year. He rolled up on Brian Burns' ankle. He's one of the dirtiest players in the league, and we hate McCorkle Jones. That guy's a freaking idiot and deserves bad things to happen to him. So hopefully Micah Parsons can do that. And the Jets, they finish up uh, the AFC East slate of games playing the Chiefs on Sunday night football. Let's start previewing that one. The Jets have actually won two of the last five games against the Chiefs, and they've won one of the last two. The all-time series is 20-19 to and one tie. The Chiefs are up by one game in that. 
The Chiefs are 2-1 and one this season. They beat the Jaguars. They beat the Bears. They lost to the Lions in Week 1. And this week against the Jets, they open up as 9.5-point favorites. So the Chiefs, obviously, are one of the best teams in the league. They haven't really gotten rolling yet. They only put up 17 points against the Jaguars. They only put up, like, 20 points against the Lions. They did really, really well against the Bears, who are a bad team. And they may do the same sort of thing to us. Justin Fields looked so bad that I saw Bears fans on social media burning Justin Fields' jerseys, who, to this point, is probably a much better quarterback in the NFL than Zach Wilson. And they just did that to him. So, for me, that's probably the biggest takeaway from what I've seen from the Chiefs so far this season, is that their offense hasn't clicked the way I thought it would, but their defense looks way better than I thought it would. And Chris Jones is back in the defensive line, one of the best players in their defense. Probably going to go up against Mekhi Becton a lot this week. Maybe some opportunities against Elijah Vera Tucker. Got to stop him. But overall, that team is coached really, really well. They've got some good players in the secondary. They make plays. They make it difficult on offenses. And at any point, Patrick Mahomes can make crazy things happen, scramble with his feet, hit Travis Kelsey down the field, or throw to one of like nine different rotating wide receivers that doesn't really even matter who's out there. He'll just find an opportunity for every one of them at some point in the game. It's not a game where you go in and you're like, all right, we got to take out Stefan Diggs. Or we're going up against C.D. Lamb, and he's the guy. Against them, it's a combination of Rasheed Rice and, and Justin Watson and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Kadarius Toney, and it's just guy after guy. And it's like, none of them are really scary, but Patrick Mahomes' ability to find every single person when they're open is scary. The way we talk about Zach Wilson not being able to survey the field and find open people, staring down his targets, letting the defense know exactly where he's going to throw it before he throws to a covered man, Patrick Mahomes is the exact opposite. He sees everything on the field all at once, moves around, makes sure he doesn't get hit. He sees defenders coming at him as he sees wide receivers making routes that they're basically making up as they go. And he finds the guys in the perfect spots with perfect placement. And he is the best quarterback in the league right now. And he's going to be a real challenge for us. I do not expect the Jets to win this game. I'm always very positive. I will usually find a reason to think the Jets can win the game. But I just don't see it in this one. Not on Sunday Night Football against the world. There's no scenario that Trevor Simeon is ready to come in and play quarterback for the Jets this week. And if they thought that Tim Boyle had anything to offer, they probably would have put him in against the Patriots in mop-up duty or trying to get something going when the offense was so stagnant. If they really wanted to play him, we would have seen it by now, I think. Zach Wilson is going to be the guy, and it's going to be a struggle, and we're going to be frustrated. But if we can find a way in dry conditions to get the ball to Brees Hall in open field, to get the ball to Garrett Wilson in the open field, to utilize the other playmakers a little bit. Maybe, you know, every single year I do this because our offense sucks every single year, and I get to a point where I'm like, we got to start doing trick plays, end arounds and flea flickers and bubble screens and yada. Maybe we do start doing some of that. Run a wildcat. I don't know. Direct snap it to Brees Hall and let him run. Let him throw the ball for all I care. Try to find a way to manufacture some sneaky offense, but even still... That can work for one or two scores in a game. It's not going to do enough to to cover up the Chiefs' ability to put points out quick. Unless the defense goes absolutely nuclear and rips through the Chiefs' offensive line, which I guess is possible, if they can make Patrick Mahomes truly uncomfortable and hit him 10 times in the game, five-plus sacks, get some turnovers, some lucky bounces, maybe a couple calls going their way for the first time this entire season from the officials, it's possible that it could be tight and interesting. But you're talking about a well-oiled machine that knows exactly what they're doing in the in the Chiefs on a big stage against a Jets team that is falling apart and has no freaking clue how to make their offense run. 
it's probably going to be frustrating. But the good news is after that, we get to play the Broncos, who just gave up 70 points to the Dolphins. They ran for like 380 yards, I believe, the Dolphins against the Broncos. So if there's a get-right game for the Jets where they can get that offense moving and get a little bit of confidence and positivity, it's that week, week five. We got to get through this one. We will have played the Bills, the Cowboys, the Patriots, and the Chiefs in extremely hard first four games, all with Zach Wilson at quarterback. And we could potentially have one, you never even know, maybe two wins. But that Broncos game, that's what we have to get to. We got to get through this week as positive as possible. We got to try to make sure that this locker room stays intact. So if you can, you know, have a voice out there and reach out to these players, instead of telling them they should be freaking out and everything sucks and the sky is falling, maybe just support them a little bit. Have some confidence. Give them a reason to think like, all right, maybe we can get this thing going. Because if they can make it to the Broncos game and then some games down the stretch, I'm not saying the Jets are a playoff team and I'm not saying that the Jets are going to win a bunch of games, but I am saying that later on this year, we do play the Giants, Commanders, the Bills again, who we beat, the Patriots again, who we almost beat, the Texans, Falcons, Broncos, Browns, Raiders. There are teams that we can play well against. We haven't had any of them on the schedule yet. And if we can just get to that part of the schedule a little bit later down the year with a little bit of positivity, a couple wins, and a little momentum, it might not be so bad. It may not be the season from hell. Hell, we're Jets fans. We've seen some pretty bad days. We've seen some pretty horrible seasons. I think that this has, you know, some optimism around it right now. So let's stay optimistic. Let's give the Jets the benefit of the doubt right now. Let's try to support them, help them be good, root for them, get through this freaking Sunday night football game, take us off of primetime, please, NFL. Don't you see what's happening here? <laughs> get us off of there. And join me next week. Like I said, I, I did the uh, Patriots review and Chiefs preview all in one episode. So this is going to be the only one for this week. Got through it in pretty good time, I think. We'll recap the Chiefs. We'll look forward to the Broncos. We'll see what the hell this Jets offense can do. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 